Today is Wednesday, December 25th, 2019. On this day in 1996, Jean Benet Ramsey was murdered. The death of the six-year-old beauty queen captivated the nation and dominated headlines. It's one of the most notorious unsolved murders in American history. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Markia McCarty of the Something Scary podcast. Along with her co-host, Sapphire, every week Markia shares the spookiest ghost stories, darkest urban legends, and the grimmest folk tales. Glad to have you here, Markia. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I'm really glad to be here today. Uh, the Jean Benet case is one that we've all obsessed over for years, and I can't wait for us to dive in. Marquis is going to discuss some of the historical aspects of the crime while I'll cover the narrative. First, let's go back to December 25, 1996, in the Ramsey's suburban home in Boulder, Colorado. No one will ever really know what occurred in the Ramsey home on the night of December 25th, but we can be certain of a few details. We know that the family spent the first part of the day enjoying a happy Christmas opening presents. Jean Benet received a brand new bicycle and broke it in that afternoon, riding it around on the back patio. The last thing she ate was a fruit cocktail of grapes, cherries, and pineapple. John and Patsy Ramsey told police that they put Jean Benet to bed at 9 p.m. on Christmas night. Her parents claimed that it was the last time they saw her alive. At 5.52 a.m. on December 26th, Patsy Ramsey called 911. Patsy told police that when she woke up early that morning, she came downstairs and found three pieces of paper laying on the steps, a ransom note. It read, Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. The kidnappers demanded $118,000 in exchange for Jean Benet's safe return. They had extremely specific instructions of how they wanted the money. $100,000 in $100 bills and the remainder in $20 bills. They wanted the cash placed in a brown paper bag for delivery, a process which they warned would be exhausting. The note also claimed that the Ramses would be under constant surveillance. If they deviated in any way from the note's instructions or contacted the police, Jean Benet would be killed instantly. Once Patsy read the note, she ran upstairs to her daughter's bedroom and confirmed that she was really gone. Then she immediately called the police. 
When Boulder police officer Rick French arrived, he did a cursory sweep of the Ramsey house, looking for any signs of forced entry. He instructed other officers to rope off Jean Benet's bedroom to preserve any clues, believing that she was abducted from her bed in the middle of the night. But he didn't do anything to quarantine the rest of the house and protect potential evidence. Not only did John and Patsy Ramsey remain inside, but friends, neighbors, and even the Ramsey's minister joined them as a show of support. A few of them made breakfast and cleaned up the kitchen afterward. They wiped down the counters and tidied up. When French read the ransom letter, he couldn't help but note its length, nearly three pages. And it was written on paper from a pad found in the Ramsey's house. It struck French as odd. Who would take such a long time in the middle of a kidnapping to write this missive by hand? But the letter also said that the kidnappers would be in touch with further instructions. So the police tapped the Ramsey's home phone, as well as John's office line. Detective Linda Arndt told John that when the kidnappers called, he needed to demand to speak with his daughter to confirm that she was alive and unharmed. Arndt watched John scribble a note, must talk to JB. While they waited for the kidnappers to make contact, the Ramseys started to feel despondent. Journalists for Newsweek described how the mood in the house was quiet and tense. John Ramsey milled anxiously around the living room. Patsy sat virtually motionless in a chair. Around 1 p.m., Arntz decided to do something to distract them. She summoned John and one of the other men, neighbor Fleet White. The three of them did another sweep of the house looking in every room for anything the police may have initially missed. During the search, John and Fleet went down to check the basement. The police had left the door to the basement closed in their initial search because the door used an external lock. There was no way the kidnappers could have exited through the basement and latched the door shut behind them. So the police considered it a dead end. But John, desperate for answers, unhooked the latch and swung open the door, unprepared for what he would find on the other side. When he saw the body, all he could do was scream. Coming up, Jean Benet's missing persons case becomes a murder investigation. Now back to the story. On the night of December 25, 1996, six-year-old Jean Benet Ramsey was murdered. Early the next morning, her mother called 911, but she didn't report that Jean Benet had been murdered. Instead, she claimed her daughter was kidnapped, and a two-and-a-half-page ransom note demanded $118,000 for her safe return. But by 1 p.m. on December 26th, the truth was revealed. John Ramsey found his daughter's lifeless body in the basement of their Boulder, Colorado home. Marquia McCarty is here to discuss the investigation into Jean Benet's murder, as well as the long-term cultural impact of this notorious unsolved case. Thank you, Vanessa. Jean Benet was found on the floor of the basement, her body half covered by a white blanket. 
Her mouth was covered with a piece of duct tape and her hands were tied above her head, bound at the wrist by a piece of nylon cord. The cord was also wrapped around her neck, fashioned into a garrote with a piece of wood. When John Ramsey found his daughter's body, he started to scream. Then he scooped her up and carried her upstairs. Not only did John move his daughter's body, possibly contaminating the crime scene, he removed the piece of duct tape from her mouth, possibly destroying evidence. He set her body down on the living room floor, weeping. He knelt over her and whimpered, My little angel. My little angel. The media immediately grabbed a hold of the story, circulating Jean Benet's beauty pageant headshots along with the salacious details of the murder. An intruder must have broken into the house in the middle of the night, snatched Jean Benet from her bed, then taken her to the basement to kill her. Details from her autopsy leaked. Not only had she been strangled, but she suffered a skull fracture. The autopsy couldn't conclusively determine whether Jean Benet was sexually assaulted or not. No semen was present, but she had trauma to her genitals and they had been wiped clean by someone. With so many people in and out of the Ramsey house and so many instances of evidence contamination, the police had a hard time developing any leads in the case. For days, they scrambled for answers. On January 1st, 1997, John and Patsy Ramsey gave an interview to CNN on their daughter's death, speculating who might have been responsible. Patsy tearfully warned, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's a he or a she, but if I were a resident of Boulder, I would tell my friends to keep, keep your babies close to you. There's someone out there. As the weeks dragged on without any answers, suspicion started to turn back on the Ramseys themselves. Perhaps the reason the police were having such a hard time tracking down the intruder who killed Jean Benet was because they didn't actually exist. Eventually, Patsy and John were brought in for interrogation by the Boulder Police Department. But they both denied any and all involvement in the death of their daughter. In an interview with police on June 23, 1998, a detective suggested that police had hard scientific evidence to suggest Patsy was involved in Jean Benet's death. Patsy replied, I don't give a flying flip how scientific it is. Go back to the damn drawing board. I didn't do it, John Ramsey didn't do it, and we didn't have a clue of anybody who did do it. Patsy Ramsey died of ovarian cancer in 2006. She maintained her innocence until her dying day. After her death, DNA evidence officially exonerated both her and John. In 2016, the 20-year anniversary of Jean Benet's death, the case was re-examined in a CBS documentary series called The Case of Jean Benet Ramsey. FBI profiler Jim Clementi and Scotland Yard behavioral analyst Laura Richards reviewed the available evidence and tried to crack the decades-old mystery. Based on their research, they believe that there was no intruder on the night of December 25, 1996. They suggest that Jean Benet's killer was one of her own family members, but not John or Patsy, as so many others have claimed. Instead, 
they posit that Jean Benet's older brother, Burke, accidentally killed her in a childish fit of rage. They believe that Burke, nine years old at the time, struck Jean Benet in the back of the head with a heavy flashlight, cracking her skull. To protect their son from punishment, John and Patsy staged Jean Benet's murder. But Burke, now in his 30s, has completely denied the allegations. He sued CBS for defamation and, in 2019, settled with them out of court for an undisclosed portion of the original $750 million lawsuit, seemingly clearing his name. Also in 2019, a convicted child abuser named Gary Oliva allegedly confessed to killing Jean Benet. Unlike Mark Carr, who had no apparent connection to the Ramsey family, Oliva's guilt is slightly more compelling. He lived in Boulder, Colorado at the time of Jean Benet's death and attended a candlelight vigil for her. In addition, when Oliva was arrested on child pornography charges, police found hundreds of photos of Jean Benet in his cache. Everything from her beauty pageant glamour shots to photos from her autopsy. They also found a poem he wrote titled, Ode to Jean Benet. However, as of this recording, Oliva has not been charged in Jean Benet's death. Her murder remains unsolved and a fixture of tabloid speculation. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Marquia, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And you can find the Something Scary podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And every Tuesday, we also have an animated horror series that is on youtube.com snarled. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Abigail Cannon, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 